The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast with your host, Scott McClelland. Far and wide, and sometimes here at home, these bold and courageous souls that answer the call to missions have a steely metal that insists pioneering be part of their daily routine. Let's gather today and learn from those on the forefront. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you know someone who's interested or curious about the subject of missions, I do encourage you to share the program with them. We are excited to bring you animated stories. Is that right, animated? Anyway, we're we're excited about talking about missions, and we want to encourage you in your missions aspirations. Whatever the Lord's leading you to do, it's best obeyed. That I can say. Uh, we want to be a blessing to you. Very excited today to have a DJ and Robin and Gayak. Did I say it right? You sure did. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> well, the, the A on either side of the I was guiding me. <laughs> you did a really good job. We get a whole slew <laughs> of different pronunciations. So well done. Oh, no. <laughs> DJ and Robin, thanks for coming back on the show and very just thankful for your friendship and, you know, having recently met you not too long ago. It was not even one winter ago. I guess you count time by winters in Alaska. Am I right? <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have winter like we have summer, nine months a year. Yeah. I think we have, yeah, just two seasons, summer and winter. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, summer, 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 and Christmas. That's our seasons in Texas. So we got <laughs> four seasons. but. Right. Still is. Still is. Yeah. So thank you guys for being on. We're going to dig in a little bit this time. We talked in a previous podcast. If you haven't heard the previous podcast, recommend that you step back to get a little bit uh, more of the background of DJ and Robin and how the Lord redeemed them, called them out of the waywardness that we all share prior to our encounter with the cross. The Lord was faithful to lead you guys on. And uh, straighten DJ out from what I remember. <laughs> right. You know, he was on that episode of Deadliest Catch, and then he kind of spun out. <laughs> no. I think that was one of our spiritual journeys, the Deadliest Catch. Right. Like deadliest that. Catch. Man, <laughs> I can't imagine how silly I'm being tonight. Forgive me. Forgive me. I am. I guess it's an expression of my happiness to be back with you. I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit about some things that you told me about when I was there and we got to spend some time together related specifically 
to your, I don't know what you, did you call it the River Outreach or how did you guys name uh, what you were doing there? Well, we, we call it the Angayak Family Mission. and Actually, um, the Angayak Family Storyboat. Storyboat. <laughs> we kind of went back and forth between the two, but we landed on the Angayak Family Storyboat. And it was because we were called to travel the Yukon River and share our story. Hmm. So stage it up for us a little bit. You're, you're feeling something about braving an internal waterway of the untamed frontier. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> what happened? How, so did, our, how did you get that idea? Well, you know, it was God inspired for sure. Our family, we knew that we've been called to our people groups here in Alaska. And at the time, I actually was flying home from a mission trip to Village, Alaska. It was a 10-day trip. And as we were crossing, flying over the Yukon River, I looked down and I really felt the Lord calling me to share our story as far as, you know, just how our family was healed from something that could have been completely tragic, you know, and mm. he redeemed, redeemed our lives. So, mm. like I said, I'm flying home from a, a 10-day mission trip. and I land and I get home and boy, you know, I, I was a little nervous because I've been gone for 10 days and, and I'm about to tell my wife that I'm, I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm being called to travel the Yukon river. And, and I didn't know how that was going to look, you know, we don't have boats. That's not something that I normally do. And it seemed way bigger than I could even grasp. And, mm. and so at, at the time I thought, well, well, let me explain it this way. This is how I pitched it to my wife. Okay. I came into our room. And I said, honey, I said, I'm feeling called to the Yukon River. And Rama's looking at me. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but maybe I'm going to take a couple guys that are crazy enough to try to take a whole summer off with me to travel the river. And and that's kind of where it's at, you know? And, yes. And my wife is looking at me, only there wasn't shock. There wasn't necessarily surprise. There was this fortitude that was in her eyes. And she raised her hand. And she goes, we'll go. Mm. And at that moment, I knew, you know, that what we we're being called to wasn't a mistake. And so that's how we started our journey as far as a family heading towards the river. Yeah. So there's another side of that. Another side of that is we knew we were called to Village Alaska. But if you travel in Alaska, you have to fly by plane to these villages. And it can be like 500 round trip, even to our hometown. And so we have six kids and two of us. And, you know, you need invitations when you do that. You need to have a place to stay. There's, there's a lot of logistics and it's very expensive. And honestly, this was such a God-inspired idea. It answered, you know, we were able to float into a village as a family and not need to worry about, you know, putting people out because we had housing and food. So it was a well, brilliant idea. Housing in the form of, of tents. tents. <laughs> but but food was yeah. dehydrated, but, you know. We were able to take care of ourselves. Wow. Traveling in Alaska is definitely a challenge. You know, it's a challenge financially. It's a challenge with weather, you know, planes. I've I've been on trips in our state where we've been weathered in for days on end, you know, so all of those kinds of things make it very difficult for a large group of people to be able to travel in our state, especially going to a number of villages and a number of communities. You know, we have a, we have a family of eight. We're kind of our own community. We're so. kind of our own community. <laughs> <laughs> a little wow. 
I'm saying. So there was a lot of bravery that was being demonstrated even here in the early part of the story. How brave were you, DJ, to come in from 10 days outside and, uh, you know, I mean... I was picturing some other kind of development there than the one you shared. So as you say, the Lord was in it. The Lord was already leading you guys, your family, your Robin, of course, in the direction of, I guess, this. And there was no immediate pushback. How did the kids take it? Now, we're talking about six kids, right? Yeah. So what ages were right? A- age, Ages at that time. Yeah. I think Nine it was... To- 20. 9 to 20, yeah. I think 9 to 20. Her oldest was still living at home. She had graduated, but she held off from going anywhere to make this mm-hmm. trip with us as wow. a family. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I think the bravery really started happening once we pushed off because our family, you know, talking about it, you know, like I said, we, we knew we were called to Alaska. We've been already been working some missions. We've been praying um, for years as a family. We've been praying for yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our kids, they were excited. And I think everybody was a little bit nervous because. We were about to embark on something that we literally had never done before. <laughs> well, we grew up on mm. fishing boats, but we had never been in rafts. And through a series of interesting events leading up to our launch date, we actually never got to put our rafts. We were on some pontoon rafts, two of mm-hmm. them, and we never got to put them in a river prior to our launch. And um, pretty <laughs> much it was funny. The people that dropped us off up in Fairbanks, outside of Fairbanks, it's up north where the river the road crosses the river. Uh-huh. They left us. And I remember looking at my family and I'm like, well, the only way home now is down that river. <laughs> there's, no, there's no turning back. This is it. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. And we hope one of these pontoons doesn't spring a leak. Well, we had one extra one. We just didn't know if we could fix it out on the, you know, on the, the on the move. We weren't quite mm-hmm. sure about that, but we were prepared a little bit. <laughs> so how close together are these villages? You're pushing off there, I guess, outside, maybe south of Fairbanks or in the general vicinity of Fairbanks, you're pushing off. How much time did you anticipate or or maybe you knew how long it would take and were you right about what you knew? How long was how long was it gonna take you to get to village the first one? We weren't quite sure. We figured it would be a, a number of days to be able to make it to that community. You know, when we were traveling on raft, we didn't. We decided not to take motors with us. We were literally just oaring, you know, using using oars to navigate the river. And boy, it, it took us well, quite a there, while. Yeah. So we actually, <laughs> where we took off was about a hundred miles north or so of Fairbanks, and we hadn't slept in about seven days. So. We pushed off and we floated around a bend and then we made camp and slept for two days. I think two days. In fact, wow. there was a fish camp nearby that came to make sure we were okay because we hadn't moved. <laughs> so, but then I think it took five days to get to the first village, something yeah. like that, four or five days. We were also the first year we were also new rafters. So mm. we were getting schooled by the river. Yeah. We did a lot of hard work we didn't need to do the first it's- year. <laughs> it's it's not a small river. It's fairly wide in a number of areas. Yeah, and, uh, it gets to be six miles wide in some areas. It it could take us close to forty five minutes just to traverse from one side to the other, you know, yeah. in different areas. But but yeah, it took us a number of days to get to our first community. 
Wow. Well, I, I'm sure if we wanted to unpack the hat and slept in seven days, we'd have an, a completely additional story. But so I'm glad you got some rest and then you got moving. So you're a weekend, more or less, by the time you arrive. Did you know people already in that village? What was the lead up like? I don't know how it works. Is the main thoroughfare, do people travel by river there? And are people watching the river for people who are coming? How, how is that? So there's a whole slew of dynamics there. You know, for us traveling in, we didn't know people in the communities that we were going to, with the exception of one community further down the river. But as far as the travelers on the Yukon, they use it like a highway. In the wintertime and in the summertime, it's like a highway for the number of communities. And, and the communities will travel north or south of their direct community to the neighboring communities because they have family. And we learned that, you know, there are adventurers that travel the river every year from all over the world, kayaking and using canoes. And we also learned that we were the only family that they've ever heard of traveling the river as a family. Now, that's for the folks that we spoke to. You know, historically, you know, we went and we looked at books and different things. And there have been other families that have traveled the river the way we have. Mm. But it was new for the folks that we met. Yeah. Well, kind of our whole strategy too, what the Lord told us is that he wanted us to go and meet the people he brought to us and share our story. That was our big strategy. We really, <laughs> we really didn't have anything beyond what God told us, and that's what we were clear on. So before we'd land, we'd pray, of course, because we would need somewhere to sleep every night. We had no clue what was around the next bend or how far we would make it, and the maps are very old that we had. So, you know, these islands had disappeared or whatever, and then for mm. the communities, we would pray going in that God would bring the people that he wanted us to meet. And then we would get off the boats and find someone and get permission to camp on the beach or wherever, find out if they had somewhere they wanted us to be. And that's what we did. That was, wow, adventuresome. Yeah. And, and we weren't traveling with any kind of intent other than meeting people right where they were. And yeah, like Robin said, sharing our story and what God's done. You know, there was, there was challenges. Some community, it's in the summertime in Alaska, especially in village Alaska, it's a time for subsistence. And so there were a number of, of people who would either be at fish camps or they'd be away, you know, so meeting people sometimes was a little challenging. You know, we would walk into a community and, and there wouldn't be anybody around right away, you know, and. Uh, so we'd wander. Sometimes they would ignore mm. us too. They put their head down and like keep going their way and not even look at us. It's pretty funny, actually. Oh. Mm. It's so mm. funny because you know you're obeying God to be there and <laughs> I do that. And I remember we sent a message back on our this little satellite thing we had and Garmin, yeah, a little Garmin. And I had asked my friends, I'm like, guys, I'd really love it if you pray for us here. And sure enough, the next day we met tons of people. But you know, sometimes you just you literally just pray your way into certain areas. But we found out they had bingo that night. And I was like, DJ, I should have gone and played bingo with them. I would have met everybody in town. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, everybody was there. That was the happening thing. If they don't want to talk to us. We're going to inter- make them late for bingo. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to visualize for a minute how these communities are organized. You know, I've been to Alaska once and I never, I'd never left the shadow of Anchorage. You know, I was like really close <laughs> to the city. So when you wander into a village in village Alaska, remote Alaska, when you're looking around, what do you see? Uh, it varies actually from community to community. 
usually when you're landing on, on the river, you'll see, you know, houses, cabins that are along the riverside as you're coming into a community. Um, and you'll see riverboats. They use flat bottom boats, you know, so they're parked at the landing. And so that's where we would aim for. But then walking into a community, it really did vary. You know, there was one community that had maybe 70 people that were there at the time. And then we, we would travel into another community that was probably over 300, mm. another one that was over 500. But, you know, you'd walk in and, and the communities, you know, they're traditional communities, I guess, for Alaska. All the houses are fairly close together for the most part, you know, and yeah, also um, some of the communities have water in their homes and some don't. So some dry, like literally dry communities in that sense. And so they'll have each community on the Yukon especially has like a laundromat facility and a place to get potable water. So we would usually kind of head towards that area too, because we could meet people, you know, doing laundry and whatnot. So that was a good way to meet people because they were getting water, you know, hanging out there. Sometimes the Wi-Fi was there too. If you could find the Wi-Fi in town, you could find people also. So, yeah. I think, I think one of the things that surprised us was every community, at least the first few communities that we went into, we realized that there was these markers. There are these measuring sticks. It's kind of like, you know, when you're measuring your children at home, you kind of have that mm-hmm. wall that has the lines on them. Mm-hmm. And we'd see this, it would be listed as a high water mark. Sometimes the high water mark was up 18 feet above your head. Yeah, or up, even up a cliff. And, and then, uh, up. yeah, it was, a lot of flooding can happen on the Yukon in the springtime. Oh, my. Yeah. That was pretty interesting. So some of the communities, the older communities we found were kind of right next to the water's edge, but then there were a number of communities that had rebuilt their communities on higher ground because of the the ice damming and the flooding that can happen in springtime. Mm. Well, how far, I mean, you were doing, this is summertime, obviously. You weren't fighting ice in the river, I don't think, I'm guessing. No. (laughs) Okay. But, But- a good number, half the year, that that river's frozen. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the that, first what, year we ended the end of September, so we went about six hundred mm. miles, and we were gone seventy days. Mm, wow. And how many communities do you think you got to during that voyage? I think we're at nine nine communities. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We thought we were going to travel all the way to the end of the Yukon River to a community called Imonic. But what we wound up doing was, you know, we would go into a community and we weren't staying there just the day and then leaving the next day. You know, we would stay there roughly about five days. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the distance and time, it could be anywhere from 10 days in between communities to just a few days. They said it was eight miles per hour that it flowed at. But when we got on the river... We clocked um, two and a half miles an hour, kind of at a fast day. So last the last time we went, it was about four miles an hour. We just the first year we went, it was this. I think God was merciful because we were new rafters. I think that's actually Mm. what happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) A long time to float places. By the end of September, Mm. we had pulled our boats out in a community called Anvik, and it's kind of a border community between the Yupik Eskimo on the west coast of Alaska and the Athabascan Indian in the interior of Alaska. And so that's, yeah, that's what we did. And you're Yupik, right? You're, you're half Yupik, if I remember right, uh, DJ. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you were kind of migrating. You were, you were going beyond your <laughs> native lands or something. You were on the border there at the edge of your... <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is kind of funny to me because... I, I spent my childhood in the interior of Alaska. 
my grade school years, my early grade school years. So I grew up in Athabasca territory as a, as a young boy. And mm. in the summer times and in my adulthood, I, I lived on the coast of Alaska. So for us traveling into the interior and traveling through the interior, in a lot of ways, even though I was in a, a people group that was different from what I'm used to, as far as my nationality, my heritage, it really felt like home. And mm. I think it's because of those years as youth. And yeah. it's one of those things that I'm grateful for God for because God lines things up and he has a trajectory for the things that our life is doing. And as our hearts changed and, and we started hearing the call of the Lord in our hearts, it amazes me how he uses our past to be able to help us in our present. You know, and that's mm. one of those things where, you know, traveling into communities, I didn't feel, like I said, I felt like I was at home. I felt like it was in yeah. my own communities. Yeah, you didn't feel out of place. But I've got a question that's burning in my mind. How long did it take everyone to realize that you were the new folks in town? <laughs> so we, I'll tell a story, a short story about a village called Kayakuk, which, which was really dear to our heart because I had been there before. Actually, that was the community that I had flown out of when God gave me the call to take my family. Mm. So getting to Kayakuk, there was two islands that we would traverse around to be able to make it into the Kayakuk River uh, because the community is right at the mouth of the Kayakuk River that converges onto the Yukon. So mm. we spent you know, a good number of hours <laughs> rowing against the current to get around this point of this island so that we could come down the river of the Kayakuk into that community because we were worried that if we stayed on the Yukon, we would actually miss, because of the way the currents flow, we would miss the community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we stayed there that night on the tip of an island before we finally made it around. And as we're floating into the village of Kayakuk, I'm on one raft and Robin's on another. And as I'm passing this house, this family comes down because their houses are right on the river edge. This family comes down and they start talking to me. They start asking me where I'm from, you know, am I coming down from like the Kayakuk, you know, and they're seeing that I have my daughter with me, but they're thinking it's kind of strange because, <laughs> you know, she's 20, I'm, I'm 40, 44 at the time. I have my dog with me and I have my son with me and they're, they're just trying to figure out what's going on because this is the weirdest thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, I'm, like, well, I'm, I'm with my family and my wife is coming up. She's just north of me on the river here. She's coming down. And as soon as they saw my wife, they just lit up and the... The mom of the of the household, she runs off and she says, "I'm going to go tell everybody on the VHF. It's it's a radio system." <laughs> and uh, and so sure enough, she gets on the on the radio and she tells the entire community because they don't have phones in the community. I mean, they have cell phones, but it's actually easier for most communities in Village Alaska to talk by radio. And so mm. she gets on the VHF. <laughs> She announces that a family's arrived. A family's arrived. And well, at the same time, I think it was her sister got on the four wheeler and drove along the edge of the river and showed us where to park, which they kind of put us out of town, which was a little bit funny. But people started showing up with food. And what was really funny, this was about maybe maybe 50 days into our trip. And I just have to say, I was craving some real meat. We had brought some like fake soy stuff, which we didn't do again. Face <laughs> food. It was terrible. And, but they brought this like giant moose roast. It was delicious mm. and amazing. 
And we made this giant pot of stew, which a grandma from the village came and had with us. And I got red meat. I was a very happy woman. (laughs) So it was pretty great. And we we met so many people there. We really enjoyed Kayakuk a lot. It was a fantastic community. And And, and it was really special there for, for my daughter, Annie and I, my oldest daughter, because we were there about four years before and Mm. there were two ladies that had accepted the Lord. And as we were traveling into the community the night before, you know, my daughter and I were talking and we were a little bit nervous because, you know, we hadn't been in contact with them. And so when we got there, you know, we found them and we met them and and they're still serving the Lord, you know, they're still seeking after him. It was a real special moment. Because, yeah, they came down and worshipped with our girls. They were singing, and yeah, it was pretty, wow. pretty. Yeah, that is precious. That's precious. Yes, moose roast. I have to try it sometime. I've never had <laughs> moose. I would love to. I mean, bison. Okay, yeah, and all <laughs> manner of critter uh, that are native to my parts. Yet, I have. I've had elk. I'm pretty sure. Uh, of course, deer and this kind of stuff, but. Moose. I better moose roast my way 40 pounds. I mean, that's that's got to be big. It was probably a good 10 or 12 pound roast. I mean, I looked at DJ. I'm like, we don't have a fridge. I have to cook all this right now. I kind of felt like it was the quail thing, you know, when they asked for the quail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I felt a little bit. We ate a lot of moose roast in that 24 hour period. <laughs> I can well imagine it was welcome a welcome <laughs> development. So what happened? On this trip one, what happened that you expected would happen? You know, that's one of those things where we expected that we were going to meet people. And we also expected that we were going to be able to share our story. And I think that, well. Well, things that happened that we expected is, I think really the only expectation we had because God told us just to go was that he would make a way to go. And although that was something that, you know, we struggled with, especially with some of the delays in the beginning, but God was faithful. Like we did expect that. And I think that was one big expectation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You expected to see God's faithfulness and you did. Yeah, we did. Which is what happened that you didn't expect? I, I think the biggest thing for us was we were recognizing that as we met people where we thought we would be sharing our story, maybe more in depth, really. We named our mission, you know, the Agai Family Storyboat, thinking that we were going to be sharing our story. But what would happen was people would stop us and they would begin sharing their story. Mm. And we're talking all manner of stories, easy stories, fun stories to some downright just heartbreaking stories, oh, you know, wow. and, and intimate aspects of their life. And yeah. you know, to be able to pray with folks, you know, and to be able to encourage folks in those moments was pretty powerful. And I think one of the things that was unexpected for us was, you know, we had this overwhelming feeling of, boy, you know, what can we do? I mean, we feel so little sometimes in those moments. And one of the things that God was very clear to us about was that it's not us that's making the changes for these people, but it's going to be him. And Mm -hmm. for us traveling, that was something that helped us along our journey because we would remember that and recognize that. Ultimately, and all the things and all the desires that we would have for somebody when we hear somebody's story, especially the hard stories, you know, it's remembering that it's God who changes people's hearts and it's God who changes people's lives, just like He changed ours, you know. And for us, it's to remain faithful and being there, you know, for that person. Wow. 
I, I want to applaud your courage. Not only, you know, you too, but give it up to the kids later when you talk to them. You know, <laughs> I am so inspired by this undertaking. I know there were future trips and there may yet be future trips, but I, I'm the, the longest steps, the first one. And that's the hardest one to overcome to actually get started as you guys experienced a ton of turbulence in your approach. You know, seven days, no sleep is is slight indicator. (laughs) Wow. So uh, last question here before we wrap. And please, both of you take a chance with this one. How are you and how is your family different because of this step of obedience? I think um, as far as our kids were concerned, you know, they were they were raised on pretty steady diet of missionary stories. Mm. I just knew early on in our walk that we were, I feel like I knew that we were going to be called to mission somehow. And so I think I tried to raise them with an expectation that we were going to go and we were going to live as though we were sent, even if we were just in our town. And I think that what happened when we actually went, you know, like we were pushing off and our kids I think their faith grew because they could see the fear, even as we pushed off that first year, because DJ was like, should we stay here overnight? And I'm like, no, let's go. <laughs> we're getting these boats in the water and we're not waiting anymore. You know, and we pushed off at midnight or something. And I think that for our kids, what they have mentioned is that, and we didn't really share it in our first podcast recording with you, we shared our salvation story, but honestly, the healing journey that our family took when God transformed our hearts like 13 years after we accepted him was probably more dangerous feeling than what our kids felt on the river with bears and animals and sleeping, you know, in tents and communities and being exposed. That's what they shared with us. Honestly, they didn't even want to come home. (laughs) When we got done, nobody actually wanted to stop sleeping in the freezing weather. They would have rather that than kind of go back to the mundane But I think what happened is that it solidified a lot of things in our family that we can do anything together. And Mm. that no matter what God calls any of our kids to, that they don't have to be afraid to follow him. Wow. Powerful. And, you know, what an inheritance, you know, of obedience that you guys are passing on to your kids. DJ, anything come to mind for you in addition to what Robin said here? Yeah, I think. The only other thing would be that, you know, it was an encouragement for our children that, you know, literally having God at the forefront, there's really nothing that we can't do. And taking those moments to, I mean, I know that they're following us because they kind of had to. I mean, they're our kids, right? (laughs) Right, right. But they could have followed in a different way. They could have been complaining. They could have been fearful. They could have, they could have responded in a number of different ways that would have been challenging as parents, you know, and challenging for them, but, you know, for them to be able to, and not that there weren't days where we had challenges or that it was scary, being able to recognize that with God in front of us and us following his calling, that there really isn't anything that we can't do. And, and that translates to back home even now. And, you know, it's a huge encouragement for us as a family. Yes. Well, You know, we get to some moments of clarity. One of my friends from Brazil, who uh, I recently did, somewhat recently did some stuff together with in Mexico. One thing that he was saying during our time there is that when we challenge ourselves, the result is that we have a story to share. And that is 
I think, true in this case, not only in this rotation, not only this particular example, but uh, continuing to challenge ourselves in the Lord and with the Lord, we have a depth of story that is precious. Trials turn to gold, I think, is the way it's coming to my mind right now. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you for your obedience and following. I know we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> we're continuing to work it out. I know that is the case. And, and you know, I think of David. I encountered a bear. I encountered a lion. And here is Goliath. I'm going to take care of it. The challenges grow as our obedience grows. So I appreciate you guys. Blessings to you so much. If someone wants to reach out, find more about your and Gayak family storyboat or what you're up to just to get some contact. How would they find you? How do we, how do we send them? Well, we don't have a website right now, but we are on Facebook at and Gayak family storyboat and Gayak's little hard spell. It's A-N-G-A-I-A-K. And maybe we can send you some info you can attach to your podcast. Yeah, I'll do that. We'll put it in the notes so folks can click through later and not when they're driving or uh, otherwise occupied with machinery. The chance to be with you guys is such a blessing to me, and I'm thankful for your friendship. If you don't mind, as we're closing here, I'd like to give you just one more chance. Anything you'd like to say or anything that comes to mind, please share. But then I want to pray as we're closing. Yeah, I just I'd like to leave the audience with just the encouragement that wherever you are in your walk, whether you're young, whether you're old, you know, scriptures tell us not to, don't despise our youth, you know? So for you youth that's out there, I want to be, I want you to be encouraged that, you know, your story that you carry, definitely God can use to encourage others, you know? And for the families that are out there, they're like, man, you know, my story seems too crazy to be able to share. God's in the, the work of restoration and you know, we remember stories from the Old Testament, like David and, you know, Abraham and those kinds of things, but we're walking testimonies for the Lord. And our stories today as followers of Christ are just as powerful for folks to hear and people need to be encouraged in that way. So if you ever think to yourself, man, what do I have to give? Start with your story. Start with what God's doing in your life, even today. What we did on the river was exactly how we live where we're at. You know, we... <laughs> We meet people all over the place, and it really our mission was no different than what we do where we live. So we just try to encourage families with that. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for taking your time and giving me a, at least two sessions here. I hope to see you guys again in the great white north before too long and in summer. <laughs> I was born at a sea level on the Gulf of Mexico. So I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, going to have to move slow into the white frontier, but I know you guys have, you have heat and you have tricks. You can teach me in any event. I look forward to seeing you guys downrange here. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll pray for you guys and then we'll, we'll close it up. Father, I just thank you for DJ and for Robin and for the entire Angaic family growing as it is, advancing, moving into new challenges and frontiers. Lord, I just I speak a blessing to them. And I thank you that your eyes on them and that you are near to them. Lord, we take our courage from this fact that you are with us. I'm just asking you, Lord, to to manifest yourself in 
leadership and guidance to them and in future adventures that you have yet to send them on. Lord, assure their hearts before you as they follow you and help them to be sensitive into new and developing adventures that you have planned. Just bless each one of their children. Be near to them and show your favor over their over their lives and over this family as a whole. Smile upon them, I ask. And I thank you that you do in Jesus' name. Amen, guys. Amen. 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 Thanks again for being here. And I am Scott McClelland with your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. You've been listening to From the Forefront, hosted by FX Missions' Scott McClelland. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more information on today's guest, please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fxmissions. Please rate our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. If you know someone who should be a guest on our podcast, we're currently reviewing candidates for upcoming episodes. Please submit their name, affiliation, and an essay of why their story needs to be told to info at fxmissions.com. And of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at fxmissions.com. From Scott McClelland and the whole team here at FX Missions, thanks for listening. Till next time, have a great day.